Welcome to episode 898 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 898 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm okay. How about yourself? Well, it was a hard weekend. It wasn't, it wasn't New Zealand's finest sporting weekend. The only the, the Kiwi League female team won. They did. That, that, was, that was the extent of our the league boys lost. Yeah. The All Blacks lost. It was heartbreaking. The cricket, cricket team lost. Pretty, the, the, no, the, the Black Ferns won as well, didn't they? They beat Wales. Yes, they did. So our yep. females held up for us. Yeah. Men, disappointing. Females should be running the world. <laughs> they should be. <laughs> Who runs the we world? We wouldn't have wars Girls. and shit if we did. Do you reckon, yeah. If, we had a, if, if, if governments were full of females, everything would be a lot more calmer. That's not necessarily true, John. And Judith Collins? Yeah, you're, you're picking out the exception. <laughs> females should be ruling the world. Okay. Look how calm everything was in Kona. I, had, I saw some additional feedback this week from someone. It was Ian Hersey. Um, he does doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure where he posted this, but I saw him post saying, I think it was on our um, page, he said the locals found Kona to be a lot better this year as well in terms of just the vibe. The females were a lot more appreciative of everything, okay. going through aid stations saying thank you, not yelling at people when you don't get something. So... Boys, uh, we need I, to look in the mirror. I think maybe who runs, you know, who should run the world? John, let's not let me start. I'm talking proudly brought to you by <laughs> uh, our fantastic patrons. We've got Jonathan the Pike, or the Ringer Pike. Iona Snowtrooper McKenzie. We've got Phil Big Brown Whitehead. Why no. Big Brown? Because he sent in, when he sent in his uh, sort of a little bit about, about him, it was something to do with a. Maybe it was a, a sewage plant manager or oh, something okay. like that, and he put a typo in there, and it was nothing to do with that. And I thought, oh, Big Brown, you know, yep. sewage. And then yep. he goes, oh, that, I typoed that. So that's <laughs> how he got the Big Brown. I guess this week's show, it's a bit of a traditional show. We've got some news. We've got a quiz. We've got a high five. It's a very niche high five. Well, it's yeah, it's, it's because something niche. that happened to me at the very, weekend. Very, very niche. We've got a history lesson, wing of the week, questions and answers, and John. Plus, of course, he's got here, John Swims. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got John Swims here. Plus, Plus, of course, John Swinstead. Okay, uh, so before we get into maybe a bit of gossip, uh, we did have a result. I mean, Portugal hit, but no, I'll tell you what, all, everyone was trying to tick the Kona ticket, weren't they? They were, and this was the weekend before last, because I wasn't around last week. Um, it was a $100,000 race, I mean, Portugal, uh, on debut. Mar- Marilene Pierre, I probably said her first name wrong, was first place in her first Ironman What's race. What's her history, John? Do you know much she's, about her? Uh, well, she's done well at some 70.3s. Um, I seem to recall she was uh, just off the top of my head I reckon she was in the top 10 at the 70.3 world champs let's have a look yep, she got, no 16th last year this year seventh, she got 7th 7th this year and she got 12th at the PS, uh, PTO US Open um, and she won the world long distance champs this year as well so she's and she uh, won 70.3 Portugal back in 2021 as well there you go uh, and how old is she mm, and she's she, uh, 24 very young very young yep uh, and she is the partner of Clement Mignon, who I'm not sure if he was racing here or not. Uh, doesn't look like it, but he's a very good French athlete as well. He was the dude who was uh, spanking it at the front at the Ironman World Champs in Nice earlier this year and still had a good finish. So pretty cool to win on debut. She swam 50, uh, 32, biked a 4.51 and ran a 3 hours and 49 for an 8.49.51. 
pretty cool to go sub nine on your first performance. Anne Rushman was second and Olivia Mitchell was in third place. Uh, on the boys' side, um, Peter Hemrick, who we had on the show not that long ago. Uh, man, man, he's had a great season. Yeah, no, six rings in the world right now. Yeah, 44-minute swim, 4.23 on the bike and a 2.35 on the run. That the unfortunate, is a smoke and run. The unfortunate thing for his season is, is the two big races, he kind of didn't do, he had to pull out of the Nice Championships and Challenge Route. But outside of that, he's had a stellar season, isn't he? He has. And one interesting thing, I was looking at this guy, because Patrick Langer was there, so you think oh, he's probably going probably gonna to win it. Um, but he ran a 2.38. Man, these run times are just insanely fast. 235 for the win, 235 was in second, 237 was third, and Patrick Langer, 238. You'd normally think that's going to win, put you into a winning position, but no, uh, that was only good enough for fourth. However, he would have been closer to the front of the race if he didn't have a 7-minute seven, seven 53 T2. And I was wondering why that was, and I saw somewhere that he came into T2 and went to like the 70.3 bike cracking area or something like that oh. and got confu- the hell, you got really confused, didn't know where to go. And so the other transition times there at T2 were about three minutes to three and a half minutes. So it cost him four minutes, basically. It cost him four minutes, which was it's probably only one place, um, but but you might be more motivated to run a bit faster because we know he can run faster than that. Mm. How, John, but he, in triathlon, um, how much faster are the shoes making them? If we go on a marathon time, uh, you got to think they're improving in terms of you know um, just the standard is lifting all the time. But you've got to be looking at these times and thinking it's a good five minutes at least, wow. if not if not more. Um, so I don't. It'd be really interesting to see some studies on that. Um, yeah, because we know we know it's massively changing running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what's what we call two thirty now, two hours mm. and thirty something seconds. Phenomenal. But the jumps and the, you know if, if we if the shoes hadn't turned up for the last ten years, you know the jumps when marathon jumps were very small jumps, weren't they? They were. You know you, you'd be a few seconds and you, you, the breakthrough to the next minute was always a big thing. Last few years, like, I think he took nearly two minutes off the world record, didn't he? Yeah, but proportionally, you'd say triathletes have improved more yeah. you know most of these guys here would be running 245 to 250 you know if we think well, maybe we should do some numbers on that yeah. but if we think back five years ago um yeah not two, many two, went two, under two, 240 no hardly any yeah um 245 is it was a really good run you know you think about the cameron brown type days and yep. you know, he was running low 240s and you go mate he's running down like 15 minute leads yeah. and stuff uh, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot. most of the times tend to be in the, the 250s. Now it's in the 230s. Well, as you say, in this race, which is, you know, I'm in Portugal, it's not a big race. Uh, you had four guys under 240. Mm. And uh, five guys under eight hours. So, yeah, just astronomical gains in the last few years. It's, um, it's kind of cool to see. Do you think running shoes should be taken with, I know, because running's never been a science. Mm-hmm. Running's very much been a pure, you know, cycling, all the rest of it, you can kind of get it with those sports because you're a part of a machine. Do you think they should do what they do with the swimsuits? Oh, right, and, and go back. Yeah, there's so much variation issues. Where do you, where do you draw the line? Well, uh, the carbon plates are obviously making a big difference in mm, human performance. Mm. But it's also the the lightness the and the cushioning. Yeah. Cushioning, I think, is is probably as big as the because the, the cushioning the and, and the lightness is the yeah. key, isn't and it? And it but just means your legs aren't as fatigued, and that's why I think we're probably seeing in triathlon um, making a bigger difference than what we see in running. It's just that fatigue state when you're six to seven hours into the into the run, as opposed to the marathon runners. You know, they're only an hour forty five in when they maybe start getting a little bit on the fatigue side. So, yeah. It, it is disappointing that it's 
technology for me is making the difference, but the performances at the same time are improving massively, which is cool to see. Well, and at the end of the day, like we want to see faster athletes, but it, it is just mm. it's, it's an interesting subject. I'm sure many purists out there, particularly in running, won't like the shoe factor. Mm. You know, and I get it. Okay. I, I would like to see some some rules and regular just tightening up. When you start seeing these massive stacks coming in, you're just like, oh, come on. Yeah, and there's one line. one use shoes, you know, let's get a little more environmentally friendly, shall we? Well, also, like, it's, does everyone have access to that shoe? Mm. Well, that's you're supposed to. Yeah, but mm. the one use shoe, like the, the woman who won the Berlin Marathon and got the world record, and surely they, that was the first time that was and, were they, and then when I had them out in shops, it was like a few pairs. And, yeah, 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 no one knows about them. Uh, we did have a few other races happen over the weekend. We had the Ibiza half. We yeah. did. Uh, let me just go to the results page. I do love PTO for having all their results in one place and just easy, and you can just delve down and look at what the hell's going on, look at people's history. It sucks. Tossed and stuff on steroids. It's fantastic. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, there's a bugger all racing on, but Ibiza was on at the weekend. Uh, Wilhelm Hirsch took out the, uh, the boys' race, uh, and Laura Gomez Ramon took out the females, and that was pretty much all. Challenge, yeah, and that was a weekend before last as well. So it doesn't look like there was any racing whatsoever last weekend. Quite time of the year. So we did have a bit of news come up this week. So if you're if you're if you're not a bit of news, big news. It's like God, social media can be a bane of people's lives, John. And so Sam Lolo, if you don't know, Sam Lolo's been hit hidden under a rock basically because there's been basically went on social media. And people have been accusing him of being a drug cheat in emails. And uh, yeah, to, to, well, I'll, I'll run through what I know because we okay. want to skim, skim over this because everybody else has probably discussed it. But if you haven't heard about it, I, I watched the GCN clip, which, uh, or GTN yeah, clip, well, yeah. which um, I thought explained it pretty well. Basically, Rudy Von Berg's fa- father sent a private email um, to, to God to knows who, um, and somebody forwarded it on to Sam Laidlow, and he was sort of questioning the rapid rise of Sam Laidlow, um, and so that got forwarded to him. Sam Laidlow rightly hit the roof and was like, what the fuck is going on here? What the fuck? <laughs> and, uh, and went to social media, naming all of his mortal en- enemies and <laughs> saying he's coming to get you, and he's claim- you know, claiming rightly that he's, that he's clean and he's never taken anything before. Rudy Von Berg's dad comes back, claiming uh, it was a private email and a few other bits and bobs. Um, then eventually Sam Laidlow removes the post and basically my wrap-up of it is everybody looks like dicks here and it's just a stupid situation. You know, if, if I was a pro, top pro athlete, I would have a social media manager that would look over anything that I was going to post and go, hang on a minute here, is the be- this the best thing you should be doing? Uh, it's just a shitty situation that everybody looks like idiots. It's a funny one, John, but because at the same time, part of your job is to get attention. Like mm. we live in, there's a there's a financial guy I, t- I listen to, and he's quite a bit of a genius, and he talks about Mr. Beast. Do you know Mr. Beast? Do not know Mr. Beast. He's, the, he's, the, he's the biggest YouTube guy. Right. He's about oh. early twenties. Yeah. Uh, he, you, your kids would know. Him, yeah, they would you know. know. Yeah. Um, and and this guy reckons the, Mr. Beast would be the first ever trillionaire. Right. Yeah. And, and because basically, what when we live in today's economy attention is the most valuable thing mm. and so mr beast he creates these clips and he's just he's just a master of 20 minute clip and you just don't want to leave it mm. and so he's very good at and now like for example he started a, a chocolate a chocolate 
bar yeah and it's like the biggest selling chocolate bar in the world mm. he started a, a, a franchise in food and he's and like he just sells out everything and uh and so what they're finding is that attention is actually the most valuable thing and mm. the you know or it's a very valuable thing at least um and so in a way controversy gets attention and so as much as sam nadlo looks hasn't you argue maybe he's done the wrong thing here Tell you what, everyone's talking about Sam Lalo right now. So do you think that Sam Lalo and Rudy Von Berg's father teamed up and said, let's no, I don't. But, <laughs> no, I don't. But at the same time, you're like, Lionel Sanders, why is he so, why is he oh, so, yeah, he's, yeah. you know, why is he so huge? Mm. Because he's got an opinion, mm-hmm. he shares it, he's controversial. Mm. You know, if, if, if you've got that guy on the sideline saying, yeah, mate, don't put that on because it's not good. Mm. It's a fine line. It is fine, you yeah. Know? And, and so, it, you know, we love, people love a juicy gossip story. And so in a way, you could see why athletes do things like this because they mm. just go, oh, here's what I did in training today. No mm. one really cares. Mm. So it's a fine line. I, I, I get, doesn't look good. To the, but to the again, more conservative audience like perhaps us, I, I think he's, yeah, he looks a bit stupid. But, but it's funny path that he's had because he started, you know, he came on the scene. I, I still remember getting this email from a guy that was managing him or, and maybe still does saying this guy's going to be the next world champion. I was like, no, he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. And then rap, rapid rise up. Slayer was the one who was a cheeky bugger in the, in the and, Collins and, Cup, wasn't and he? So he went to, then did the Collins Cup thing where he called uh, and he'd called um, Sam, Sam Long a Jew athlete, which I found quite entertaining. And, and, and he gave Sanders shit as well, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, and, like, you know, and I'll tell you what, at the time, that's what we were talking about. And, and then you, then you kind of probably had two camps. You either liked that or you really disliked Sam Laidlow. And then he went and did what he did in Kona where he nearly won that first time. And everyone's like, mate, that was so impressive. Yeah. Uh, and then he went and did what he did this year in Nice. And I sort of think, I think the crowd had changed and probably everyone was on his side, I'd imagine. And now it's probably going to be split again. You'll either like him or loathe him. But he's a mecha character, isn't he? And, and let's be oh, honest, yeah. in our sport... When Mick was around, you love him or hate him, great for our sport. Mm. It, it, you know, you go to the press conferences, how is your race going to be? Oh, I'm just going to try my best, you know? <laughs> and Mick would come out, I'm here to beat you guys, you know? Yeah. And, and he'd put it out on the line. And in a sport like ours, which is the individual pursuit is such a cool thing, uh, sometimes the, the the edge isn't there. Mm. And a guy like Lalo, like that, when he went to the PTO, when he at Collins Cup, and he put it on the line, like he was the youngest guy there, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and like the balls to do that. And then he and I to, wouldn't do that. I don't have the balls to do that. And then he had to leave with his tail between his legs because yeah. he capitulated. But he's laughing now, isn't he? Well, yeah. well maybe not this week. But, yeah. you know, so... So yeah. I, I think what we need to remember here, and, and some people, when this sort of came out, they're like, oh, yeah, Sam Laidlaw has got to the top really quick. Oh, and that's the sort of stuff you often question. You know, how's, you know, if you look at the Colin Chartier, he was, you know, a middle middle guy for a long time and then all mm. of a sudden he's like winning by ages and you're like but geez where did that come from and now we know why but I think in Sam Laidlow's case we need to be a little bit careful about um, casting aspersions yeah. and, and going oh he's had this rapid rise well that, we've got to be careful in any sport and it's the downfall of the drug cheat mm. because any sport where someone has a rapid rise or has a performance that's out of this league you know like I remember when Sarah Ulmer won the gold medal Sarah Ulmer mm. was a New Zealand track cyclist and she was a very good cyclist, won two gold medals or one? Yeah, and set world records and yeah, stuff. Yeah, dominant. And when she won a gold medal, it was in a sport that's a two-minute race, she won it by 20 seconds or something like stupid like that. And it was out of this world performance. Mm. No one put the spotlight on her. Mm. But in some ways, drug cheats have created that, that kind of 
someone does really well quickly or they do a stellar performance, suddenly the magnifying glass gets put on them. And so I think in Sam Laidlow's case, we need to be really careful about this because, um, yeah, his progression has been astronomical and Matt, he is on fire. But the things that make this different for, I think, for long course triathlon in Sam Laidlow's case, he's really young. Um, he's only, I think he's 24 or 25, something like that. And so his progression is going to be all over the place. A, because he's young. Yes, he's been doing the sport for quite a while. But when you're transitioning from short to long course, some athletes just, boom, they are straight on it and, uh, and go to the top. Others, like in Sam's case, it's a bit of a rocky road to get up there. And that might be... Um, for for a variety of reasons, you know, you're just cocking up your nutrition, um, you're not quite getting the pacing right, or you haven't quite done the training. So it's not quite as simple as, you know, your individual sports like swimming, um, 100 meter running, you know, athletics, things like that. If you see somebody going from, uh, there's, there's some classic cases in swimming, where there's, when you've been swimming, you've been swimming for a long time when yeah. you get to the Olympics. Yep. And then you see these athletes, I remember that Irish swimmer, like, just making crazy gains in a space of a couple of years and that's when you go hmm something's up here yep. but in this case he's new he's not that new to the sport but he's a young guy and he's been developing a lot and when you do look at his early his early results um, in long course he was actually really good from the outset but he wasn't able to hold it together I remember the time he went and raced Joe Skipper at Ironman UK, UK and he was w- way in front of him off the bike and then just capitulated on the run I can't remember if it was nutrition, training, or whatever it was. But when you do look at his results, he has been really good, more or less from the outset, but it took him a few years to string together a swim, bike, and run together. Um, and also, when you look back at his sort of junior career, you know, he was brought up in the in the French system, and he was pretty good there. And when it is so competitive um, at short course, and especially in France, it's probably the, you know, at the moment when you look at the, the top athletes, it's the hotbed for triathlon. And I remember like when I was over there in, you know, the, the late 90s, even way back then, they, the depth is so good, and it's just taken them so long to really produce multiple top athletes. And now... You know, you go to a race and three of the top five are Frenchies on the guy's side and the, and the females are, are not far behind either. So when I looked back at a couple of his results, he won a, um, t- 2016, he won a junior European cup race. And when I looked down the list of some of the athletes there, you know, this is seven years ago, so he's probably, yep. what, 17, 18? Um, a lot of those guys now have gone on to sort of race on the World Championship Series or World Cup and they're pretty good. They're not winners, yeah. but they're pretty good. Um, and yeah, just the standard is really high. So I think it's easy to go, oh yeah, Sam Layla, his progression has been really quick. Oh, he must be on drugs. And I look at it and like, maybe I'm being naive, but I'm, um, I'm just think, just think twice. Give the, give the guy a little bit of a break. Where do you think he'd be ranked on the rankings right now? Well, he's not particularly high because I don't know if he's had three really, really good results. I think he's about yeah. Well, he's got he's got a couple of challenge races. So he's only done in the last. So when's the calendar year? Is it year to year? First uh, of the year? I'm not quite sure. Because if you can count Hawaii last year, but yeah, this year he's won three races, but he's only won we won Ironman World Championships. He DNF to both the PTO Opens, so the Asian and. Uh, oh no, Lanzarote DNF'd as well. And he struggled and He won wrote. London, he got eighth and wrote, and then he won Challenge Grand Canera. So in, in, you know, when you, in the rankings, only way to get a good ranking is you've got to perform at the big races. Yeah. And so, so he's only rate 14th right now. Yeah, 
Yeah. So that's the thing. If you don't, if you don't have three good results, you're a long way down. Mm. So yeah, I don't know what's where this is going to go to from here. Um, but in my opinion, they all look a bit stupid. Yeah. But they have got attention. We're talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. And if you saw an email of someone accusing you of cheating, I would lose my absolute shit. Yeah. I think in my life, I've only had my integrity question maybe a couple of times. Oh, really? I absolutely I just went ballistic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, when your integrity gets questioned, it is not acceptable. Yeah, no, it's um, not. And so you can, you know, you, if you got an email from someone saying someone's dad was saying you're a judge cheat, you'd be you'd fuming. You'd be mortified. Oh, fair, yeah. Uh, and so I can totally understand why he would come out and go defensive. Then you just go, well, every bloody drugs cheat's always done that. And it's like, how the hell do you know what's I remember going one time, on? <laughs> it's a funny story. I remember once someone accused me of something um, and I hadn't done it. But no matter how I responded, they wouldn't believe me. Mm. You know, and, and it was such a frustrating moment. They'd accused me of shagging someone, basically. And mm. and I hadn't shagged this person. And and they said, oh, yeah, no, no sure you haven't. I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> and then they go, they go, well, why are you so upset? And I was like... And then I was like, "What do you? How do I prove that I hadn't done this?" And I was yeah. like, "I got and, and like I couldn't win because in their mind I had done this thing." Yeah. And oh, and Sam Lado is the same thing. He can post all he wants. People will have made up their minds. Oh, you're a drug cheat. Yeah, some people say you're guilty so, because you're doing it. And some people yeah. say, "Yeah, fair enough." So definitely a, a funny situation. And mm. um, you know, because this kid, he's a kid. You know, he's 24. When, let's remember when we were 24, 25. We'd be doing all sorts of stupid shit. Oh, mate. <laughs> this is the thing. I always think, you know, people are hard on young sports stars. Mate, if I had the spotlight on me when I was 24, well, I was probably a bit more mature about then, but if by the time I was 20, if you had the spotlight on me, oh, my God. And especially when most of these athletes have been institutionalised at that age. They've been yep. in that triathlon bubble And they often don't have much of world, world experience. No. They'll travel know. a lot and, and stuff. But, but yeah. as in like life experience, you, no. know, you know, they've been, as you said, they're in this bubble. Yeah. Uh, and, and often very well, it's a live in a yes world. Mm. You know, especially when you get to the top, everyone you wants to be your mate. Mm. So, um, so interesting times. We'll, we'll be interested to see what happens moving forward. Okay, Challenge Road have decided they are going to use the technical distancing measuring tool, which is called what? Uh, race Ranger for the pro athletes. That's yeah. going to be cool because in the, in the, in the we'll see what how they use it because we have seen it being used at PTO races purely pretty much for the athletes to sort of get a, a guideline and like your lights will start flashing yep. if you're in the draft zone and so you'll know. So it kind of like self-policing. Um, but Challenge Road, it looks to me like, like they're actually going to use it and the way that it gets used there, or there's different ways you can do it, it's basically feeding information to the race referees and then they can go and investigate. Um, so it won't be dishing out penalties. It'll be basically giving the... Go here, here's a problem. Yeah, problems here. All that. And, and in theory, you think this is a great idea. We saw how this panned out in the rugby at the weekend when the officials got more technology. They just, things turned to shit. Things. Um, but I think most of the pros are going to be pretty stoked about this. Do you think Rafe Andre will if, if long-term business model? Because to me, they only make money if they get age groupers. Yeah, no, well, that, I can't see it ever happening for age groupers um, because it just, I just don't think it'll work. Uh, when I just... I just think about the races that I've been in. If it was a small race, no problem. But if I think challenge rope, most people it's, drive it's, in. It's, it's just 
you just do the math. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Um, I, hope, I hope they work. Don't get me wrong, but mm. it's like it's such a cool technology. But it's but for pro if you're only selling, yeah. But if you're only selling it for pro racing, unless mm. you're charging like two hundred bucks a unit or something, it's mm. it's going to be anyway. Um, okay, so we've got the qualification pathways for female athletes in the twenty twenty four Vinfast Ironman World Championships in Nice. And there's a few things. So let's look at the age groupers first, John. So what happens with the age groupers? So it's pretty, it, It's in some cases it's the same to what we've had in the past. So the first way you can qualify for, for Nice, and I'd imagine this is going to roll into Kona and stuff in future years as well with the rotation, is you have your age group qualification at each race and the slots roll down. Um, so they've got different amount of slots for the different races. Good old Kiwis get a little bit shafted here. So there's only 15 women's slots at Ironman New Zealand. Really? Um, wow. Which I, I imagine is probably pretty consistent with, with, tradition, what, with, but with what you see traditionally. But I'm thinking... But surely there's more slots around the world now. A few more slots now. Come on, give us a breakdown here. Especially because there's not a huge amount of racing in Australasia yeah, now. Yeah, we've got to go all the way over to Australia to go and race if uh, if you want to get a slot. So that's a bit harsh. So basically you've got your regular, regular slots and it varies significantly. Uh, the lowest amount is 15. Yeah. And, um, and some of the championship races, so like the Ironman Texas, which is the American Championship, you're getting 55. Oh, look at that. American races have got a lot more. Oh, 60 in about? Wisconsin, uh, 60 in Chattanooga, 60 in California, 60 in Florida, 60 in Arizona. Ah, oh, funny that. Uh, so anyway, 15 in New Zealand. <laughs> um, so that's your regular old uh, way. Would you argue pathway. more people do triathlon? Is it proportionate to the amount of people who do triathlon in America? No idea. Because if you think of the volume of triathletes in New Zealand, it's mm. you know, relatively small. 10,000? Mm. It's a good question. How many people think no idea. It's a good question, but isn't it? Yeah. Regular triathletes. Mm. It would be, what, 10, 20,000? No, not that many. Not 20? Maybe no. 10? Mm, that'd, be a, that'd be a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a pretty small market, but we're in the middle so of the So in America, you got... Mm. Let's say you got 100,000, 200,000. Don't stop making it fair. It's, it's unfair <laughs> on us. Stop making it fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a fair argument. <laughs> so, uh, so the next way you can get in, and this is, I think this is quite good, is that the if you're in the top 10 in your age group, age group at uh, the previous World Championships, yep. you get offered a slot. You do need to validate. On the day, obviously. Yep. Um, but uh, the slots don't roll. So that's good. So it's like, if you're in the top 10... At Kona, you can come back next year. You can come back next year. You do have to go and validate, um, but if you're eleventh, tough shit. You're not getting one. Seventy point three championships. Now they are giving invitation slots for these. Uh, what's the deal there? Yeah. So um, if you the top five finishes at selected seventy point three triathlons Which around I the world, world championships and stuff like that. Yeah, um, will will be able to get a slot. Um, now these slots do not roll down yep. to, so you need to be in the top five. However, it doesn't say anything here about having to validate that. So that is your pathway into the world champs by having not not being required to do an Ironman, which we've seen in the past. You know, you used to be able to get uh, Kona slots at the Kona seventy point three yep. and other seventy point three races. So. So what you do about that, but um, you don't well, have, have done more, more slots in theory. Uh, and then the last one, which is quite cool, is age group ranked individual slots. So these are for the athletes who have kind of all year rank, all world rankings at the end of the year. Um, and so basically, if you get within the top of it just, that, it just says the top. top. So I'm okay, assuming so maybe it's, it's the only first. the winner. Okay, so if you're the, we're just assuming you probably you're probably qualified anyway, haven't you? I would have thought so. Yeah. Um. So I guess what they're angling for here is to try to. Does anyone care get, about all world athlete anymore? I certainly don't, I but we're, again, about it. in New Zealand, we have 
one or two races. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't really matter for us. Um, I don't really get excited about it. We never it, hear about sure. it. You, you and I don't. No, no. no sure. We're not really racing it, but either. Um, so it's kind of, kind of good. You kind of get where they're coming from in terms of trying to get that strength of the field uh, as good as you possibly can. And you can argue this is better, like because if you've just got lots of roll down and anyone who turns mm. up to an Ironman can get there, so what they're doing is they're kind of splitting up. So, you know, you are going to get Betty's 70.3 athletes turning up. Mm. You are going to get well, the world rankings, but I imagine they'll qualify anyway. So the because the, the, you do want it still to be a championship field, don't you, mm -hmm. as much as possible, mm -hmm. you know, and there are always going to be limits on that, but that's a good thing. Okay, interesting times ahead for, it'll be interesting to see how strong the turnout for Nice is next year with the females. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be very Kona is kind of obvious, but next year, and you know, it will be seen. Um, okay, I'm in Florida is coming up this weekend. It is. Um, last time they raced here, they didn't race in twenty. Well, they didn't have a male pro race here in 2022. Uh, Gustav Eden took out the boys race in 2021 along with Heather Jackson um, and Gustav Eden. Now that was his debut. Went 7:42. Not bad Jeepers, debut. Creepers, not bad at all. Beating Lionel Sanders by six minutes, ran a 2.34. And Heather Jackson, when she ran it, uh, won it, she won by four minutes over Sky Monch. Pretty uh, decent field they got rolling on here. So yeah. $100,000 prize purse, uh, three male and female Kona slots. So you got Magnus Ditlev, Arthur Horso, uh, Gregory Barnaby, Rudy Monberg, Denny Chevro, Matthew Marquet, and Joe Skipper, Cameron Wirth, Christian Hoganhart, and Matt Hansen. So that's a pretty beefy uh, top 10 athletes um, on the boys' side. And then on the female side, equally, uh, you've had a few pullouts here, but you've got Sky Monch, Jocelyn McCauley, Indy Lee, Meredith Kessler, Alice Alberts, Lauren Brandon, uh, and a few others, a few lines Torsten's put through. Uh, Dee Dee Griesbauer's not racing. She's uh, the Ironman commentator. She was supposed to be racing, but it's pulled out. So females race, you're thinking... Jocelyn McCauley had a great Kona, so does Sky Monch. Uh, that would probably be between those two, you would imagine. Um, but the boys' race, who knows what's going to happen over there. That should, uh, should be a cracker. Okay, John, we had the Super League Decider, um, which was basically wrapping up the season over the weekend, and there was a bit of debacle in one of the teams. So break it down. Break it down, y'all. Break it uh, down. So if you haven't watched it and you do want to go and watch it, um, it's worth it. So just... Fast forward a little bit, I just pause for a bit and go away and watch it for a couple of hours and come back. It was held in Neom, um, which is in the middle of nowhere in Saudi, where they're building this ginormous big indoor city, basically. And as I, as predicted last week, um, the course was pretty boring compared to what we've seen elsewhere. Um, there's very limited spectators. Um, they're basically just riding in a desert, so you have a few people around the start-finish area and transition, and that, that was about it. Uh, the format was the... Um, what format was it? It was the Enduro, I think, off the top oh, yeah. of my head, yeah. which is where you do swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, swim, bike, run. Uh, and it was it was good racing, both on the males and female side. Uh, the boys came down to a two-horse race um, at the end, and, yeah, I watched... Pretty much, I did watch it all, uh, and it was just a shame that the Super League gimmick of a short shoot more or less decided the entire series. Um, now, did they have this gimmick at the end? Yeah, yeah, you took it on the final run, so you had swim bike run, swim bike. Yeah, but run, is it like right run. at the end of the run? No, it's uh, the end of your first lap. Yeah, it's the end of your first lap. So I think it was a two lap run. And so, and how much advantage is a couple hundred meters? Oh no, it's, no, it's not that. It's not that much. Uh, it's probably I'm going to say gives you maybe about a 
25 meter advantage okay. maybe that's enough so it's only a, it's only a handful of seconds but at that when it's that competitive at the top yep. in a short race in a short race it's um yeah it's it's game changing and it was in this case uh so Hayden Wild ended up losing and the controversy was he had also earned a short shoot um but his team manager make of him what you will I've met him before and what you see on TV is pretty much <laughs> what you get so <laughs> he gave it to somebody Tell else what you really think he gave it to somebody else on the team and you can you can very slightly understand the logic here because he was wanting his team to do really well and his rationale was well, Hayden Wild's going to win anyway okay. so I'll give it to somebody else and if that person can finish one or two places our higher team gets a better team ranking. gets a better result however Hayden Wild didn't win and he was the one that earned it so the short shoot Why looks didn't Hayden win? stupid well, Hayden Wild wasn't quite at his best. He didn't okay. look amazing. He said he'd been sick. He's had like back-to-back colds and stuff. Okay. And you were watching the race going, even if he does get a short shoot, that he doesn't have it, I think he'll probably still win and pull away. Yep. He'd broken away on one of the bike rides. He was looking pretty good. Uh, and he didn't look great on the final run okay. either. So I kind of thought, well, you haven't got it, but I still think you can kind of win. So I am slightly... But you, but you think that if I'm the manager and Hayden's going to be, hey, look, man, I'm not 100, mm. give it to me. Mm. So you know you stick your cards, don't you? Um, yeah, and the female side, um, Kate Woff, Woff, or W A U G H. I thought thought it's War. Um, she ended up winning the series, which was a fantastic effort by her. She's a relatively new athlete um, to the to this sort of racing. Still pretty young, and definitely a name to watch out for. Has she done much in the ITU? The World Triathlon. She's uh, she's. A bit up and down, um, okay. but she's still pretty young. She won the. I'm pretty sure she won the world under twenty threes a year or two ago. Okay. Um, so, so potential, yeah. And she'll throw a spanner in the mix in terms of Olympic selection. Where's she from? She is from England somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I say pom. Yep. Yes, yeah, she's a pom. Uh, pretty strong poms. And so yeah, it was it was well worth a watch. The Super League, uh, go check it out. We also finished up the. ITU or an ITU World Triathlon Series. Um, Gwen Jorgensen continues to do really well, and it's starting to get a little bit interesting. I was very skeptical, and still am as to whether you. But she's a, this is only team. World Cup, isn't it? It's not. It is. It is only World Cup, um, but she's had several good performances. But the athletes that she is being competitive with here are typically athletes that are going to be sort of maybe around that tenth mark, sort of maybe a few okay. places higher, a few places lower. So she's certainly getting herself. Um, a lot further up the field, uh, well, she's you know, she's been winning races and she got a, a pretty close second um, at the weekend. So she's she's getting in the she'll be getting in the minds of other people. And when you think about Olymp- our batteries just suddenly stopped on, died on us. Yeah, I recharged them. I think one of my two of my recharger batteries have died. Um, yeah, so I need to buy some new ones. But anyway, luckily my wife's always got pickups. <laughs> and uh, so where were we? I was what I was saying is Olympic selection is a tricky one. Because what do you want at the end of the day for the Olympics? You want a gold medal. You want, or you, you want a medal. Yep. You know, there's, there's three medals up for offer plus a, a mixed team relay, three medals. There. And she's trying for the mixed, she wants mixed team, doesn't she? Well, I think you kind of got to do both. So she's currently doing Olympic distance races, but initially she said, you know, want to try to make the, the relay team. But you've, No, you'd I'm, argue relay would be harder for her to make because it's faster. Yeah, I, I think she'd be a much better athlete at the, the long course. But anyway, I think in most circumstances, I think you have to do both. You can only put people in your relay team, I think that have done the individual race as well. Oh, so really? Then your individual athletes have to decide, do I just balk it here and just have fun yep. and save myself with a relay where we've got a realistic shot? And the tricky thing with the Americans, American team now is, this, so they've got their automatic selection, which is Taylor Nib, And you're like, she's a no-brainer. She yep. is your number yep. one pick without doubt. 
and the rest is a real mixed bag. There are lots of really good athletes, but is there anybody there that's going to get a medal? And you look at the one you feel sorry for is Taylor Spivey. She's ranked third in the world at the moment, and she didn't make the last Olympics. It was a pretty harsh call. Uh, she was ranked really highly, and she's the most probably the most consistent performer out of them. You you, you could argue that, but she's she's really consistent. But she's often an athlete that is maybe three through eight play eighth place or you know somewhere in that range. Very rarely wins races. Um, and then you got another one, Summer Rappaport, who is uh, currently ranked twelfth. And she's is an athlete that can be on the podium, or she can be completely out the back door. Uh, and then you sort of keep working down the rankings. The next one is uh, Kirsten Casper. She's a bit of a middler, probably not going to be on the podium, just sort of a consistent performer. Yeah. And then you've got Katie Zaveris on the comeback, who is you know had a baby, hasn't shown amazing form yet. So well, who do you pick? You've got Taylor Nob. She's picked already. She's made yep. the team. And then you go. Well, Gwen Jorgens has got another, what, probably eight months or so. If she gets back to a really good level, you'd say she's probably a real outside chance for getting a medal if it just comes down to a running race. You'd say, oh, I probably want her in my team. What about Katie Zaveris? You know, she's a past champion athlete, past medalist at the last Olympics. Who would you pick? Um, Who would you be? Because they've got three. Who are you three? Yeah, they, they, they will have three. And... But they've probably got a pretty good relay team as well. I reckon that I would probably, I'd almost go for, um, go for Jorgensen now. Oh, as, wow. as you just roll the, the coin. Yeah. As you just roll the dice going, if it comes to a running race, you're probably arguably our best chance here or your equal best chance. And then you've just got to decide who's going to be that third member. And that would be either Taylor Spivey or... Uh, or Zaveris, and then probably put them in the relay. Hey, 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 hey. Who are you picking? Yeah, no, I would None go, of this Kona picks like a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, like that was, that was the, the Torsten pick. I would probably go with Taylor Spivey for the, put her as our uh, mixed relay person. Don't really care. Don't think she's going to get a medal or anything in the individual. So then you have Taylor Spivey and, uh, and, Gwen. Yeah, uh, no, and Gwen Jorgensen, but Taylor Nibb would be the other. You'd have Taylor and Taylor would be Double your relay team. Yep, the Taylors. So yeah, it's uh, pretty. I'm pretty sure that's the end of the World Triathlon main World Triathlon racing for the season. Um, there may be a couple of other little Continental Cups, but yeah, Gwen Jorgensen continues to do well. Well, there you go. Okay, so we didn't have a topic of the week because uh, we were away for a couple of weeks. So this week, what will Ironman need to do in order to get you watching their new professional series? It's a question that no one knows the answer to, but good luck in trying to answer that yourself. So the question for this week is, what will Ironman need to do in order to get you to watch their new professional series? Okay, your quiz question. John's quiz question. Uh, Righty-ho. I don't know why I came up with this one, Um, but who won the last non-drafting ITU, because it was called ITU back then, world champs, and where was it held? Who won the last... You know this one. I have, a, I yeah. have an idea. ITU World Champs, and where was out? Okay, uh, let's go to one, two, three, four, high, high five. five. Now this is very Christchurch specific. I'm pretty sure I've done this before, yeah. but hey, we've been going tell the story. For, why, for, why are we doing it? Going for a few years, so uh, some some material is going to be rehashed. So uh, at the moment with my training, Bevan, it's just I'm just kind of keeping fit. I basically yep. do one one thing a day, and I'll need to get my A into G shortly because. Uh, Races are going to be starting happening next year with with uh, not with rote with uh, 
probably do Hawaii 70.3 and I've got to ride up the big bloody mountain over there and then doing uh, up to west so I need to start getting fit but at the moment just one thing a day Saturday morning got up and went for a bike ride holy shit balls it was cold uh, there was like Saturday a frost morning. this morning on Saturday in the, in the morning was that oh, bad I was coaching yeah, it was cold first thing. So got up into the hills and was going to do our biggest sort of climb around here. You kind of loop over past Bevan's Place and down into the harbour and then you come up this climb called Gibby's Pass and then um, uh, keep going to the top. It's probably about a 30-minute climb or so and pretty persistent gradients. You know, you sort of probably averages about nine, 9%. Sorry? Where are you coming up? Uh, you're coming up Gibby's on the Littleton side Okay, yep, yep. and then you're going along the summit road. It's a road. nice ride because it's quite a smooth road. It's quite a lovely mm. ride, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a good, good tough climb. Uh, and so I'm coming up the first part of the climb and I'm midway up the climb and boom, just gets smacked by a magpie. Didn't see it coming at all. Didn't even think about magpies. I kind of thought we were at the end of the season. I've hardly been doing any outside ridings. I haven't been attacked at all. And this magpie just kept at me <laughs> because I was going uphill you know I was probably going 10, 10 kilometres going uphill and you just couldn't get away he would have dive on me 10 times at least <laughs> for like a good minute or two people drive past you go, oh <laughs> god it was he, no, he was hitting me too it was it was pretty frustrating so I thought and, and another um, person said to me last week got hit by a magpie first time ever and I thought okay we need to do a high five on how to deal with magpie attacks uh, number one got to try to relax it goes in the face of, of, of what's going on in your mind and your body but you've just got to try to relax uh, and, and keep calm you've got number two here don't ride with anything in your ears but the problem is the first time you even if you've got nothing in your ears you don't know they're coming that's true but uh, I, I just don't think people should be riding on the road with listening to music anyway totally get the motivation of it fills time makes it more entertaining so on and so on but I think no matter where you are you shouldn't be riding with stuff in your ears just you can't hear the traffic and in this instance you wouldn't hear the magpies um, so yes that's number two don't ride with anything in your ears um, number three and this ties in with number two is you've got to listen and be aware because if you've never been attacked by a magpie you'll hear them coming if you're listening because they do a they do a sort of <laughs> as they're coming in to get you <laughs> 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 And he actually recorded that. That wasn't John. <laughs> it was a recording. You can you can normally hear that, but so, if you don't, if they don't make a noise, you will hear the flapping and as as they're coming in. So using your ears is critical. Uh, number four, you can't always do this, but this is what I was using effectively on Saturday when it was just repeated. You you watch the shadows. So if you can't hear them coming in, you normally can, but if you can't, um, you can see the shadow if the sun's in the right place. And I was riding at sort of seven to, seven to nine in the morning. I had the sun behind me, and so I could see the little bastard coming at me. Uh, and so, yeah, use the shadows. And then the main thing is is to time your duck so they try <laughs> to miss your helmet. So, you've, and this takes quite a bit of practice. You listen, so you listen for them coming. If you've got that shadow, you'll see that, and you've just got to time it just before they're about to get impact. You just got to duck really quickly, duck, and then they'll hopefully miss you. And so I reckon I probably had about 10 ducks at the weekend, and I reckon he probably only got me maybe three times, maybe four. Um, So the rest of the time, I think I got it right, and he didn't quite attach to the helmet. I actually think you've missed the most important one. 
What's that? Keep safe. Because what happens is, is mm. when the magpie hits you, you get consumed by it. Mm. And I remember one time, because they used to hit us a lot when we go out to a little river. Mm-hmm. A lot out there. Mm. And, and you're biking out and they hit you. And then suddenly you're looking at the sky, swerving trying to wave things at the swerve in the middle of the road. You, you, it's very dangerous. You just lose all attention on road safety. And so I actually think the most important thing is once you get hit, is still always think the most important thing right now is to make sure I'm safe on the road. Because... I guarantee you weren't riding straight when they Yeah, you've got to try to keep it as straight as you can. Yeah. Uh, And I'm pretty sure I do remember one time we were riding and you were getting attacked and I was behind (laughs) you and I was hysterical. (laughs) Normally I would say, and I said this to somebody on Sunday, we were out, and they said, What do you do? What's the best strategy? I said, The best strategy is not to be the last person in the line because that's generally who they're going to go for. Uh, So there you go. Five things to try to stop magpies uh, or, or reduce the impact of magpie attacks, relax, don't ride with anything in your ears, listen for them coming, use the shadows and try to time your duck and then Bevan's number six is try to keep a straight line to keep just, yourself just safe. Just remember, you've got to stay safe. Mm. Uh, not just straight line, just think, you know what, I'm, I've got to deal with the magpie but most importantly, because you don't want to swerve in the road and get hit by a car. Mm. It's way worse than getting hit by a magpie. And the other thing I had wondered, so I was out riding and I knew there were some guys going to come through about an hour later. I was going to ride with them, but I had to be places, so I went out by myself. It's like, do I text them and tell them about this? Nah, shit, or, no, give them or, some fun. Or do I give them some fun? Because your heart rate goes through the oh, roof. Yeah. You're puffing and panting, and it kind of, and, and they were supposed <laughs> they, to be time they, trialing up there. They, they hit your helmet. Like mm. it's, at the end of the day, worst thing, you just ride and get hit in your helmet every so mm. often. Because they never, it's not front on, they're not going for your eyes. No, there is a case, you definitely see cases where people have had been cut up by them um, yep. in terms of if they get around the side, if they're really crazy. I've never experienced that. I have had one pull a light off my helmet though before when I was riding, oh, and that really? was downhill. And that's when I had a, oh, that's a, like scary. a light on your helmet, and he literally ripped it off my helmet and went smashing into the Because that's where it's dangerous. You're riding downhill, mm. one hit you. Mm. Yeah, I've only had downhill a couple of times. Um, so yeah, yeah, if you haven't experienced it, come to New Zealand come or Australia uh, <laughs> around about sort of October time, September October mating season, and yeah, they're and, good on them, but hey, eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, how gutsy are they? Yeah, big human on a bike flying like that. I'm going to take this guy, Newson. I'm coming for you, <laughs> and all that stuff. People say put put zip ties on your helmet, put eyes on your helmet. None of it works. They still come for you. No, they still do. Okay, let's go to John's oh, history lesson. lesson. We're going to look at the five years of Super League. It's been longer, isn't it? No, not uh, well. It depends how you count it in terms of um, maybe yeah, pre-COVID and all that sort of okay. stuff. We had five years of Super League actually okay, happening. Okay, that's a good way to put it. And the rationale that I was behind this was uh, Super League's just finished. And um, what I would say is, when I was doing this uh, bit of research for this topic here. Go back and watch some of the early years. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's all on YouTube. Richard Murray. Yeah, 2017, yeah. 2018. Uh, it was slightly different formats back then, um, but the racing was good. Uh, so especially you guys going into winter, you're going to be stuck on the trainer quite a bit. Uh, go back, just search for Super League. Go back from 27 onwards, and each time is going to be uh, going to be quite a bit of trainer content. And I'd forgotten the results. I kind of knew who was probably going to win. But um, the dynamics of the racing was pretty cool. So it all kicked off in 2017, and we had a male-only event in Hamilton Island. And the difference back here was it was a three-day format. So I don't remember exactly how they did it, but I'm pretty sure on the Friday they did like an individual time trial on the bike, and it was at, it was sort of maybe uphill. Uh, and then they basically had sort of three races on the Saturday or something like that, and, and, a, and a race on the Sunday as well. It was full on. 
and the athletes yeah, it was full on. destroyed I watching, at the it was, end of yeah, that. Yeah, they were a. That it was KO'd. But the but the cool thing was the fatigue factor by day three was pretty significant. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that was very sustainable for the amount of racing these athletes do. You need to be paying paying them a lot of money to make it worth their while to do that. So that's where it kicked off in 2017. Um, then in Jersey, they uh, had the second race, and then they introduced a women's only race. So there was a lot of uproar going, this first race, why the hell haven't we got any females? And it was clearly labelled as a test event brought females in for the second race in Jersey. Um, and I do remember in the very first races they had, certainly didn't have 20 top short course athletes. They had a, the top five or six short course athletes and then they had people like Terenzo. Um, That's and right, yeah. Some, and it, some, some and it just showed athletes. such a massive difference, didn't it? Yeah. It day. was a cool idea because yeah. it was kind of, you get all the big names there and then it was like, no, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's just short course racing. So in that first season, uh, Richard Murray was the dominator um, in terms of the boys thing. Uh, and then it moved to 2018 and 2019 um, season and then they had, that was kind of split over the, it's a new year, that's why it was a, a sort of two-year season. They had a race in Jersey, Singapore, Malta and Majorca. Um, and the boys' side of it, uh, Vincent Louis and Richard Murray were the dominators. And then on the female side, Kay Zaveris tended to do extremely well in Cassandra Bolgrand. 2021, um, we obviously had 2020, there was nothing, but they did have uh, the... Arena Games back then, but 2021, they brought in the teams uh, sort of category and they had races in Jersey, London, Munich, Malibu and Alex Yee and Georgia Taylor-Brown took that out. And 2022 was pretty similar sort of season. They had London, Munich, Malibu, Toulouse and Neom uh, and Hayden Wilde and Georgia Taylor-Brown took out the series. This year, there was four races as opposed to last year where there was five. They had London, uh, Toulouse, Malibu and Neom. So each race you get $20,000 for the win, uh, $50,000 bonus for the series, and they have a 120000 k bonus for the team. So it does matter for, the, for, for your team. Um, these days I've kind of settled on uh, a format of having a triple mix, which is triple mix is where they have, you do the swim bike run in different orders. So one might be a swim bike run, one might be a, a run, bike, swim, and the other one might be whatever, a diff different order again. Uh, and that does give a quite a good different dynamic and it gives people, the really good swimmers, a chance to actually win a race in the swim. Whereas normally, you know, if they're a little bit weak in the run, they're yeah. out the back door. So I do like that, you know, you, you don't, you're not going to get the same winners all the time. They have the eliminator um, where five athletes get eliminated each race and then they have the enduro which is three super sprint triathlons back to back. 2020 onwards, we had the arena games um, uh, which I don't know if that's gonna. That's gonna really it was a cool idea. I don't know if it really works. Mm. Is it like just, if they had every, if they had all the top athletes there? I think it would work. Um, and it's just it's something nice. Like I'll watch it for saying on the trainer, mm. but I'm not. It's not the most. It's not the best of what they do. It's mm. probably a good way of putting it. Uh, so some innovations I've tried, um, and more often than not. This has been, I think, to create more interest for Joe Public rather than the triathlon purists like myself. Um, so they, they did at one stage have the jerseys for the individual leaders. So if you were the fastest runner across the series or the fastest swimmer or the fastest biker, you had a discipline um, jersey. I'm pretty sure they don't do that now because it is all very much team-based. And the teams, I don't know, it is it important for the athletes because it is quite a bit of money on offer. So it does matter to the athletes. 
Uh, I don't reckon it changes the racing very much. Um, if they did want to make it different for the racing, they could include a team time trial, then it would really matter. Um, but and I don't think the managers really add much value for it for me or for the athletes. Well, how many how many people who listen to this show are fan can can even name all the teams mm. and are fans of a certain team? Yeah. Like you know, because what the the concept is, it's like you know, sports teams. Mm. You know, it's it's great because you've got loyalty. There's fans, you know, all the rest of it. So I don't know if anyone's really watched Super League going. Oh, I hope my team wins. What they did, and were I think what they were trying to do this year was they had one team that was basically stacked with Poms. Um, okay. And I think they were trying to have a, an Australasian kind yeah, of team. Okay. And so if you make it a bit more regional based, then as long as you can keep it even, unlike the Collins Cup, which isn't even, yeah. um, then maybe that will garner a bit more support. I think one thing that it does is it gives the commentators something else to talk about and that just keeps the flow the flow going. Although the commentators before the teams were pretty great. Mm. That's the, the, the thing about Super League, even from day one, their package has been great. Mm. It's entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the other innovations that I've got down, you know, the courses have been uh, really cool. Other than the neon one, I think really tight, compact courses makes it easy to cover, and they do a fantastic job social media wise in terms of giving the athletes some profile. Yep. Much like we see with the PTO, um, really lifting the profile of all the athletes. Small fields, so everyone gets mentioned. You know, there's so many names in the Super League that our, I now know that I otherwise wouldn't know. But like if you're watching a World Triathlon Series race, it's very much focused on the first five, maybe yeah. ten. Someone else who's ranked 30th and sitting in the middle of the pack, you wouldn't have a clue. Whereas in these really high action, short, small fields, um, I think everyone gets some some attention. And I think that's what PTO will do as well when they have these reduced fields going forward. Yeah. Um, some positive changes they've made. Um, uh, to me, the short shoots look like they've gotten shorter. Um, and, uh, and placement of them. Because mm. I remember there was that moment where they had them right before the finish line. Yeah. And there was that one race, I think it was Hayden and someone else. And they were coming at the finish line, the short shoot, and it just killed the buzz. It does. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You, you, like, you, it is a cool concept in the right place in the race. Mm. But you don't want to have it 100 metres from the finish line. That's the thing. Is it, is it a cool concept when, it, when it's deciding races? I suppose the question, the better question is, what's the fact sacrifice in getting it? Mm. Like, if you've got to make a big sacrifice to get it, mm. then maybe it's justified. Whereas mm. if it's just, some, like, like in the last race, what was the sacrifice? Well, Hayden Wilde had to probably go a little bit harder wherever, wherever he got it. might have been at the end of the first swim bike run or something like that. So he probably had to go a little bit harder on the run to, to get it. Yeah. Uh, you see other individual athletes that are yeah, maybe go for it coming out of the swim. So they've got to absolutely gas the swim. And you've seen guys that are clearly not anywhere in contention go for the run preem and things like that yep. in terms of the fastest run of the day. So, yeah, tricky one. I guess the other side of it, if they got rid of it, would it be any worse? I think kind of not. Yeah, I just think the, the one time I really didn't like it was that time when there was like, yeah, two guys. I think it was him and it was Brownlee, wasn't it? I think Jonathan Brownlee. It might have, I think it was, prob it was probably Brownlee and Vincent Louis. I know that Brownlee got shafted a few times. Yeah. Right? And um, it was just like you watch it and it was like the race was set up for awesome watching. Mm. Coming man, oh man, to the finish line. And the short mm. and that was yeah. a buzzkill. So I kind of think maybe get rid of it. Um, and then the other thing that I think they've a really good change. They can't because their podcast is called The Short Shoot Show. Right. So <laughs> you can't get rid of it now. Uh, the, in the Eliminator race, they've done a really good move there. Every race counts now. Previously, yeah. five athletes would get eliminated each race. And... It kind of became the first races you were just watching the losers. Qualifying, qualifying yeah. round. But like yeah. a, a 1500 so meter race. It took a bit of away from it, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. But now it matters because whatever time you finish behind the winner of that race is handicapped, handicapped yep. in the last race. So that's really cool. 
So what do they need to do and what are their key challenges? Um, number one is to get the best athletes consistently is that possible? up. It's pretty tricky and that ties in very closely to, to point number two. Um, so we'll discuss it maybe after that. Olympics trumps everything, which means the World Triathlon Series is more important. And so where does Super League sort of fit in at the end of the season? If you've had a big long season, you might, like when we saw this this year, like Alex G did a few of the races, not, not all what's, of them. What's the money-wise? You know, like if I'm doing a World Triathlon race in comparison to Super League, who's going to make more money? Um... I think it. I, th- I don't know. The Super League money is pretty good, and but I imagine, it's, not, imagine, it's not so good that you'd go. I'm sacrificing a bit of World Triathlon series here. But I imagine like a Hayden is going to get appearance fees. Mm, probably. Yeah, like mm. you know, like Alex G getting up a couple of times a year. Mm. You know, I'm sure that because it seems like they've got good pockets. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, so I think, but they haven't had the best athletes consistently turning Cause up. Because, like, if we did, that, that was the first year when we did that race uh, with Richie Murray. Everyone was there at that time, wasn't mm. they? Mm. And that was awesome because you're basically seeing all the rock stars yeah. doing different types of racing. Yeah. And so it's funny. You get some nations that don't really turn up. Like the Spanish don't really seem to turn up, um, which is kind of weird. And some of the Frenchies sometimes turn up, sometimes they don't. Um, so, yeah. But it's really hard. The seasons are so long. Uh, number three I've got is transparency. How do you actually get in? It might be quite clear. I just don't know. Yep. But it's, there's only 20 athletes in there. Um, how, what, what's the process of actually getting in there? Mm. We're, we're, you know, with World Triathlon, it's very clear. You've got to have a certain ranking. Uh, yep. You've got to be in good standing with your national federation. And then they, they will be entering you. So it's really transparent. Uh, and then the final one I had was, do, do we need the short shoot? So all in all, Super League is fantastic. Um, that's sort of a quick history of it's been around since 20, 2017. Still going My wish strong. was it was is it just as important for the pros. Like, and I get that we're in a funny world where we may not ever see that, but I just think this type of racing with all the rock stars, mm. it, it'd, be, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, and like you'd rather watch it than the World Series, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, and I think it'd be better at the Olympics to have something like this, yeah. the, the enduro format. But you can't have fifty people in the start line. That's going to be the real challenge. Uh, but you could have qualifiers. Have, you could have qualifiers. Yeah, two yeah. qualifying races. Mm. The top twenty go through. Yeah. Because the racing's short, mm. and that's actually a better TV spectacle, mm. Mm. you know. So the whole sport becomes completely different when you start having all these qualifiers and stuff. You know, if you if you when you have fifteen hundred meter races, eight hundred meter races yep. and stuff at the Olympics, because um, you've got to do, you've got to do what, several races to get there. So you do two races to get to the final, fifteen hundred meter. You'd have, uh, yeah, you would. Um, you yeah. have, have a qualifying round, a semi-final, and a final. Yeah. Um, Which is like, admittedly, the very top people will be leaving some in the tank, but yeah, you're still you're still burning some matches, aren't you? Mm. Yeah. So it would be very different if you had, you know, three days of triathlon where you had one or two qualifying rounds, and then you had the the grand final. It'd be it'd be quite different. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this could be our, our Olympics. Yeah, it's, and it's a pity it's not, mm. you know, because I think this is the most entertaining form of our sport right now. Totally. You know, so. Okay, let's go to Wanger of the week. week. Okay, Jumbo, uh, let's go, let's go, let's go disco. Let's go number. What, what number is Artie Sevilla? He got player of the year. Eight. Number eight. Is he eight? He, he is eight, isn't no, he? No, he's 
He has, no, he has the eight. He has the eight. The they blind side's for Zell. They move around a bit. Yeah. Uh, Joe Skipper is number okay, eight. Well, well, who's this guy? I never heard of him. Never heard of him. Tempo Skipper. Okay, let's, what's he doing? He did 21 hours and nine minutes of training last week. And remember, he is racing Ironman Florida coming up this weekend. Two hours, 52 minutes of uh, swimming, 12 hours and 16 minutes of running, and six hours of running. And I'm So he's about 20 hours a week. 21 hours of moving time. And remember, this is a... A week. That's pretty consistent. If you look across his year, he has the odd week off. Um, But generally speaking, it's around that 20. He has the occasional week where he goes a little bit higher. I know he went and did a uh, a 10K last week. He did a 10K running race. Uh, I think he went 31 minutes, um, which is pretty pretty decent. Um, You know, some some people go, wow, that's really fast. But I remember Mike Phillips, he did our local 10K race, and I'm sure he was that quick, if not quicker. Um, And... Joe's a bloody good runner, but he's he's not that speedy. Yeah, but he's fast over a marathon. But his his five k relative to his marathon is probably not as good as as some athletes. So um, he did ten by one k one day on the twenty fifth of October with a one k um, float in between. So he did twenty k in total. Average pace was three twenty four per k. Pretty solid. Yep. Um, he's often got this guy who leads him around on a bike, this guy with a beard. He's always by his side. I'm not sure if he's his coach or just an advisor, but he's often uh, running around with him. And Joe's yeah, also... Yeah, side-on photo's great form, isn't it? Yeah, Joe it's does a bit of uh, nice bit of swifting there as well. Did now 31 in Mercury Islands. And yeah, so there you go. That's sort of what Joe does for, for a week, you know, roughly. That is what's cool about Strava, isn't it? Like I remember back in the day, Gordogan made it big because he was kind of the first pro to put his training on the internet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of got ideas from that. Now, nowadays, you can literally just watch what the mm. pros are doing, can't you? You can. Yeah. And not everybody puts everything up. They try sometimes to be a little bit sneaky, but yeah, it's pretty hard to go and cop. I wonder what Joe's, uh, Joe's longest ride is. Um, How do you figure that out? You go on to... Bike? Bike. Longest ride, 524k. Jesus. <laughs> okay, let me pull it up. So 524k, it took him 12 hours. Maybe it's 12 hours. So break 12, 12 hours. some 12-hour challenge. Uh, rec- went for some 12-hour record. And he did 524k's average watt, 280 watts. Yeah. yeah average. That's solid. That is solid. When was that? Um, uh, 2020, August the 2nd. COVID times. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else to yeah, do. No, get, in, get outside and yeah. ride in the loops forever. Okay, Joe Skipper, you are uh, our winner of the week. week. We've got a couple emails here from good old uh, Dylan Evanson. has sent through Obstry Fantasy website. Hey, team, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the Fantasy website is gone. I was really sad to see this go. I enjoyed trying to pick the top three and seeing how well I did against others. I had noticed lately that they were doing less and less races for Fantasy Picks, but now they have shut down the website altogether. Here's what he said. A lot of passion, work, and technology went into creating Obstry.com to serve the community. Unfortunately, the big money boys of the triathlon industry are just too narrow-minded. They don't want Obstry to have access to people's results or live results. The fun and enjoyment would have taken away, so I've decided to terminate the obsessed triathlete. I thank everyone for who supported the website. It was fun while it lasted. Now, I never got into it, but you loved it, didn't you? I thought they did a great job in terms of uh, you'd go on there and you'd pick your, your, your top athletes for both short and long course races. Um, you'd pick your fastest swimmer, your fastest bike, your fastest runner. Um, it had a point system associated with it. It was it was great. And if it had been um, promoted more heavily and, and if the big boys had got, got on 
Why, 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 why wouldn't they? Because it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like you, you, all you want to do is people love your sport and get more engaged. Yeah, if people love your sport. It's good for your sport. And you discuss it. You know, oh, I've got my picks. You've got yeah. your picks. Blah blah blah. Uh, and look at like I know triathlon's never going to be like American football, but you look at like fantasy sports. Yeah, a huge. Yeah, no, I do Tour de France um, fantasy stuff, and it's Tommy beats you every year, doesn't he? He smokes me now. Yeah, he's he's pretty good at it. Uh, I'm less less good at it. Uh, what, yeah. have you, what have you what have you what have you still got on him? Can you? Because he's plus in your running now, isn't he? Swimming and time flat time trialing on the bike, yeah, nice. uh, you, pretty pretty comfortably. It'd have me easily has me running fifteen thirty for five k. Oh park. really? Is it fifteen thirty now? I did it the other day for five wow, k at the Canterbury good. Road Champs. I was like, whoa. Uh, I'm not even remotely close to that. Um, Remember you, that moment where you were, you were going to go under 16.30? Yeah, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be struggled to go under 17 now. Yeah. Uh, and uphill biking, he'd probably take me because he's a bit lighter. Yep. Uh, def- uh, def- will will he ever get you in the swimming? Uh, he needs to, yeah. Yeah, he needs to spank me in the swimming. But no, but will he? Um, I don't know. Well, I'm not getting any faster, so yep. I think he, he possibly could. But if I... How much does he swim? Because obviously... He wants to kind of be an athlete. So uh, he's 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 been quite sick lately. Um, just so many people are sick at the moment. Yeah, like, yeah, really quite COVID's sick. COVID's back as well. Uh, yeah, and a lot of people are sick. Oh, it seems all over the world. I've got so many athletes that are sick. Um, but he's generally swimming four or four to five times a week. Okay, so yeah, so he's giving, giving it a good crack. What's his goal? Uh, he just try to do some international races. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. He's um, yeah, he's coming along. Yeah, if I were fifteen thirty. Mm, that's that's moving. Well, how, how well are you doing in his and, age? I won, um, but and this is a backhanded compliment. People say I'm great at backhanded compliments. Just your own son, mate. Come <laughs> yeah. on, give him some love. But the good thing is, he's got shit technique. Yeah, I'm like, if we're going to prove that, if we're going to prove that, you're going to be significantly faster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's good. Okay, we've got a, we've got a, uh, I don't know where this comes from. So tell me Came about it, John. From Jeff, the explosion. Oh, okay. Curry. So he basically sent through saying there's been some interesting stats. He sent through an, an, uh, an Instagram link. Uh, I'll pull it up right now. And there's basically there's a bit of a study done on age group cheating with drugs. So the largest study into both physical and cognitive doping was carried out amongst triathlete competitors has shocking results. It was carried out with 3,000 athletes at Ironman Frankfurt, Ironman um, West Baden and Regensburg. Uh, The triathlon doping study concluded at Ironman Germany races was published to the international peer-reviewed open access publication Polos One. Uh, The results were shocking. So 13% admitted to physical doping steroids, EPO, human growth hormone, etc., 15 admitted to cognitive doping, antidepressants, beta blockers, uh, myofilin, and another one. Uh, 10% admitted to both physical and cognitive doping, and 20% admitted to physical doping at Ironman Urine Championships in um, in Frankfurt. These figures are for recreational athletes. Pro athletes were excluded from the study. While many have suspected there have been a doping problem in triathlon, I think few would have expected as many as one in seven tri- Ironman triathletes. People have expected that this was just professional athletes who may be tempted to dope to win. But this study shows it goes right across the spectrum of athletes. The table below compares the physical and training characteristics of those athletes against those who are doping, not doping. So fascinating, isn't it? It is. And when you sent through uh, this through, I thought, mm, let's look into this a bit deeper. Because yeah. when you think at uh, this is Ironman Frankfurt, you, uh, there is uh, 
20% admitted to doping. And so what do they classify so like, as doping? Like, like antidepressants, can't get that. Yeah, that, so that's cognitive doping. Yeah, so in yeah, terms of what they, they call cognitive doping, it was antidepressants, beta blockers, but they also, in this, they included um, caffeine tablets and anti-doping because okay. in, uh, in cognitive doping, because in Germany, you need a prescription to get a caffeine tablet oh, and can't okay. get them over the shelf. So, um, so I thought, I've got to look into this in a little bit more detail. And first thing that stru- struck me was, I reckon we might have discussed this in brief years and years ago so I thought when was the study it was actually done 10 years ago so someone's posting it on Instagram it's a 10 year old study it's still re- very but valid. I would say it's probably worse now isn't it because the accessibility of things so. like you know growth hormone mm-hmm. and stuff growth like that yeah. yeah you would think so um, and so we'll have a link on our show notes to the full article so you can go and do it it is peer reviewed it's legit they had wider funding um, it's not some you know, you've yeah. got to be careful when and 3,000 is a good number they, they captured everybody so they basically at Ironman Frankfurt you basically had to do it as part of your registration. Oh, okay, um, great. I mean, you can you can always just not fill it in and just put it in the box, but you basically came into the registration room, people were pre-advised what they were going to do, and you had to tick all the boxes, and then you put it in the um, box when you, you leave the room. So phys- physical doping w- was re- regarded as in pretty much any illegal products um, that are going to improve your physical performance. Um, then you have phys- what they call physical enhancements, um, and you have things like creatine, vitamins, carbohydrates, you know, basically anything that's going to help your performance on a physical point of view that is over-the-counter stuff, but it's still enhancing your performance. So it's, it's a little bit weird. Yeah. Know, everyone's going to have carbs pretty much. Um, then you've got the cognitive doping. Um, that's anything related to your head that is prescription-based. Um, and then you have cognitive enhancements, and that's where you can have legal uh, things that are, that are legal, you know, in New Zealand, you would classify that as caffeine. Other countries, you wouldn't because uh, you can't get it over the counter. Maybe things like guarana, just anything that give you enhanced your alertness levels or to just make you feel feel better from from a headspace. Um, the, a couple of other things that came out of this: the use of physical and cognitive enhancers were significantly associated to the use of physical and cognitive doping. Oh. So I think w- one of the things they were going for is. If you're on that slippery slope, it's Opens a really it's a gateway to, yeah. to to basically doping. So, if you're going to go to the extent where you're going to have say CBD or something along those lines, yep. which is legal, but it's a little bit of a gray area, it's still yep. legal. Is that a slippery slope to towards and um, they're saying it kind doping, of is. and they're saying it is. Um, yeah, and one thing that they did when they were asking the questions, they didn't actually say doping as such. So they said uh, the term doping was circumvented in the questionnaire in order to reduce any um, reluctance to complete yeah. the survey and said doping, instead of doping, we use the term physical enhancement and cognitive um, enhancement. So yeah, it was a pretty, I don't know. Interestingly, 87% were male. Mm. That, and that, that's just the numbers over there in, in, in that part of the country, uh, but that part of the world in terms of participant numbers. So, yeah, it'd be interesting if they... Did it in both the diff, two different world champs, mm. you know, because you had even sides feel yeah. what the numbers would be like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 10 years old, but you do look at it, and yes, I'm sure some of the questions, and I looked at them and I, I kind of go, suppose you could get a little bit confused with that, but a lot of people, if you're doing a survey, they're probably still going to be dishonest. If you're doping, are you going to tick that box or not? 
So, but just the fact that twenty percent in Frankfurt said they were doing some form of doping is like it's a funny one, but isn't it? Because we live in a time. I think ten years ago, growth, growth hormone probably wasn't as popular. But I, there's a lot of people who are getting of our age and older yeah. who are using it as a kind of longevity thing. Now, I don't know much about the science behind. It. I'm not. I haven't spent much time trying to learn about that. But um, it's going to be a problem for our sport moving forward because a lot of people are making it as a lifestyle choice. Mm. You know that hey, if I can have more testosterone in my body to mm. give me more you know, vitality and all those benefits that come with it, um, I'm going to do that. But I still want to do a sport of triathlon. Yeah, and they might not necessarily be doing it. Yeah, no, they're not doing a cheat. To cheat, they're just going to hey, I want to do it so for longevity. Yeah, you know, so it's a it's a it's a murky kind of you know taking you know steroids or something like that's a bit different because you are doing it for the reason but yeah that, yeah i wouldn't have picked it at that high number no it's crazy yeah let's see let's see another one of these studies done yeah definitely uh one other little email we got from andrew roberts uh he just sent that after the banquet in the Kona champs he just said a couple of points uh overall the vibe so he's going back to the females only uh, World Championships in Kona and he was saying he'd been here a couple of times so he just thought he'd give some thoughts on it overall the vibe leading up to race day was good the welcome dinner was the usual fear with plenty of enthusiasm demonstrated by the presenters surrounding all female event race morning was busy as you'd expect with some problems with the wave starts due to the athletes taking too long to get into the water um, I volunteered in half the corner yeah, jump off and get in yeah. uh, with crowd control and course management they were very short on volunteers in some areas the weather was reasonably hot with a tailwind out from Hawi um, no crosswinds to speak of finish line vibe was not as good as I remember my partner Jan finished in a time of 13.17 she was happy got her Kona slot in, in Topo after coming 8th uh, where she got the 5th slot a lot of athletes uh, on our tour benefit from the greater number of slots made available at races, some getting slots after no one else wanted them in their age group. I see a lot of big names from our sport, such as Crowe, Pauline Newby, Fraser, Julie Moss, etc. My partner asked Julie Moss if she had raced Kona before. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, she was very gracious about it. Overall, good day. Still not sold in the split format, but certainly lots of athletes got a chance to race that they wouldn't have been able to race in the past. So, yeah. Mm. I'm not hearing a lot of negativity, to be honest, no. from, from Kona. Uh, no, it's been overwhelmingly positive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a bit of negativity from Nice in terms of the sausage fest over there. Not yeah. heaps, but um, it's just I'm fascinated to see how sustainable this is. Um, and well, it looks like it's going to be the way for the next few years. Mm, um, yeah. Well, you, you'd argue it's been a success. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that it, that it has been. You know, like... More people we had raced world championships this year. Mm. We had two really interesting pro races. Mm. Um, overall, the athlete experience, I know Nice had its hiccups for his first year. Mm. Uh, overall, I think the athlete experience was pretty great. Yeah. Um, well, watch this space. Yeah. Okay, let's go into our quiz John, question. No, no, and don't forget, what did you put at the top? You said, and of, of course, course. <laughs> and of course, John, John says. Says. Plus, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the quiz question was where, uh, who won the last non-drafting world short course Spencer championships Smith. correct and it was about 95 one year out very uh, close 94 okay. Spencer Smith won the boys I don't know where it is uh, it was in Wellington in New Zealand oh it was Wellington okay. and Emma Carney won the females there you go and she crushed it they both crushed it actually and they, the, those kind of two, oh, Carney went on to have a good career but it killed Spencer's career really didn't it when they went drafting yes yeah uh, Emma Carney still did really, really well because uh, that was kind of the start of her career. Yep. Um, but Spencer Smith, yeah, he was... Because uh, he, he was the man, wasn't he? He was the dude. Yeah. 
He was tell you what, if, if you want to listen to a cool interview, go listen to our Legends of Triathlon with him. He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Okay, John, now your swim set. Swim of course. Set. Of course, the swim yeah. set. Uh, this morning, what did we do? We did 300 warm-up and then did two times 100 medley and 425s kick hard. And then our main set was we went 200, 150, and then we're basically halving the distance each time. So we went 200, 150, 300, 150, 75, and then we went 400, 200, 100, and then 500, 250, 125. And the idea was the longest um, interval of each of those rounds was at a steady pace. The middle one was moderately hard, and the third one was at a hard effort. And as you went through the set, you got a little more rest. So the first round, you got 10 seconds rest. Second round, you got 15, 20, and 25. And the only thing different out of that set was when we did the ones that were finished down the other end of the pool, you had to do 25 metres underwater to get back to the other end. Normally, when we do our underwater stuff, you're doing it right at the end of the session, and you kind of calm down, but your breathing's under control, and it's relatively, I find it relatively straightforward to do a 25. Here, we're coming off a hard interval, and to try to do 25 under meters, 25 meters underwater when you're puffing, first one I only got to halfway. I was oh, like really? Completely gassed. Oh, really? Uh, and then 200 warm down, and that was it. I think it was 3,250 meters. There you go. So that was it. Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons Ken, Rockin' Free World Young. We've got Ben Mystery Walton. And Phil, the rich Uncle Scott. Okay, this week, uh, we want to say if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Uh, we really, really support the uh, support of those people who give some of their hard-earned money our way each week. So if you want to do that, go to the website, sign up, we give you a cool nickname, give you gifts, but more importantly, you just support a show that hopefully you get a lot of value from. If you want some coaching, go to coachjohnnewsome.com, also epiccamp.com, anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com. Um, i tell you what, I did mm-hmm. a, I do lots of public, I do lots of public speaking nowadays, but I did one where I did a facilitation. So it was kind of one of my public talks, but more did it as a workshop um, for an engineering firm. And I've had mind blowing feedback about it. Like mm-hmm. it was really cool. I did two hours with them. Then we did, I gave them a project to do. Then I came back a few weeks later and we did another kind of back end of it. And they've given me feedback to saying it's been quite revolutionary. So if you're, in, in, well, anywhere in the world really, but if you're in New Zealand, you want some public speaking or something like that. Check out my website, bevanjamesowers.com. Anything else, age group of the week, call cool website, feedback, iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. What you got, John? Well, Bevan, you just mentioned public speaking there. I've got a good one for you when you do your introductions. Or if you if you kind of do the health and safety sort of stuff, you know, when you go to, you, whenever yeah. you go to these I do it things, for runners all the time. You go along and you go, okay, if we have an earthquake, go and do this. Yep. And that's the standard in Christchurch. Yep. If you have an earthquake, um, the toilets are at the back, go out through there, blah, 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 blah. Um, I was the one I was at last week. She said, uh, "This was a town hall in Christchurch." Oh, this which, is where you marketing thing, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. As uh, she said, "Okay, and if you're smoking or vaping, just go out the front doors there, turn left, go down to Hagley Park, and then just keep going." Oh, <laughs> 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 that's harsh. I'm not judgmental at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought that was gold, <laughs> uh, and everyone else. It seemed to think it was gold unless there was any Except smokers, the smokers the who were hiding under the table. So, <laughs> oh, uh, if you're in a, if you're if you're doing a sporting type one, I think that'd be a good one to bring out. You can you can okay. take that. Okay, I'll, I'll pass that. that on to you. I don't tend to do because you normally get introed. So normally mm. someone introduces you. So I don't tend to. Do, well, my runners, I but we don't really do. You probably don't have any smokers in your running group. You may have a few. Re- Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe, because we get a lot, in our beginner group, you get people who haven't been looking after their health, so. That'd be a good stat to know. How many people smoke that do triathlon or vape? Yeah. Vaping's very popular. Mm. 
Do your kids vape? Not to my knowledge. Yeah. In fact, they definitely don't. They no. were, yeah. Tom got accused of vaping once. My teacher, he he just <laughs> lost it. He was a bit like Sam Nadlo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he was, because uh, it was. He came out of the toilet and somebody had obviously been vaping in there and he came out. And he was like wearing his cycling kit. <laughs> and Tom's like, I'm going cycling. I'm not vaping. Yeah, wow. And he took his name down and Tom oh, was, really? he was not happy. Yeah, no, he wouldn't be. So no, Bevan, uh, I think my weekend was dominated by sport, really. Um, and what a horrible sport weekend it was. A lot of horrible sports. So you got 80 minutes to win a game, just go out there and win it. Uh, uh, so for, for our might- international listeners, we had the World Cup rugby final and we were playing South Africa. The refing in rugby is atrocious. And we're not we're not the poor losers saying the refing lost us the game. We 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 Should've didn't won. deserve to win. Yeah, we, we had enough opportunities. We had our opportunities, we didn't take them. So South Africa got on, but oh my God, rugby's killing itself with refing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's painful. Well, it's not the ref. It's the refings. Refs are upholding the the rules. Um, and the but rules they, they, the they had this thing where they have a guy on the sideline just watching the game all the time, looking for mistakes. But the problem is, it's not even. So there was a try that we got that we knocked the ball on, and fair enough, yeah, it was disallowed. But then when Audi got the penalty against him, they didn't go, "Oh, the ref got that wrong." Yeah, you know. So why is a knock on different than when a ref gets it wrong? I saw the knock on, and I saw the try, and I was like, "They're going to come back for that." Yeah, that, that and knock on after that was, but. I don't know. It was Go the cricketers. That's all we'll say. Go cricketers. There's so many World Cups on at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, so our cricketers got beaten by Australia as well, but it was a pretty epic game. So, no, not much else happening, Bevan. Um, we've got our junior tri programs back in action. Ooh. So, that's always fun getting the juniors um, out there. And you always, not every week, but you get some good little crashes. One girl was doing a dismount, kept holding onto her bike like her knees were like dragging oh. along the ground. Like, oh dear, that's not, no, that's you not need a to good start. To let go of the bike, it's yeah, number yeah, one. Yeah, um, I tell you what. How many you have in your junior squad? Uh, we've got about 30 or so. Oh, that's good. So it's good. Um, if you want to do a really good junior session somewhere in the world, see if you can find your local kart racing track, you know, like the yep. little yeah, little yeah, go-karts. Yeah, yeah. We have one that we're using Christchurch um, periodically. And Where? Um, they're, they're, they're building one. Sorry? The indoor building one. No, no, no. It's an outdoor one. It's over by the motorway um, oh, okay. in sort of Hallsville area. Sort of Hallsville, that yep, sort yep, of way. Yep, yep, yep. Um, how far would it be a lap? Maybe with all the twists and turns, it might be 400 metres. Okay. It is such good training because it just twists and turns. They've got a little straight. If you can get get into those places, it is the best place you can do bike skills and stuff with kids. Yeah, Absolute nice. gold. Do you have to pay to use it or are they pretty cool? No, they're pretty good about it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Because they're not using it on a weekday yeah, um, yeah. at sort of four o'clock. Yeah, it's So awesome. it's cool. Cool. What's happening with you? Well, the good news is I'm getting a knee operation. Oh, you pee. Yeah. What was really interesting with the surgeon? So he's a real lovely guy. I go in and uh, my knee's not that bad, mm. but it's kind of like it's, it's been a year. It hasn't got better. And, I, and I've done everything I should. Like I'm the guy who if the physio says do it, I do it. Mm. So, um, and it just hasn't got better. And, and to be honest, most of the time it's not a problem. It's just anything of impact. So mm. I haven't been able to run and I want to get back to running. Uh, and I go in. And the operation I get is very, they basically just take a little bit out of my patellar tendon because mm-hmm. it's where it attaches to the to patella. Um, it's just it's just not getting better. And he said, basically what happens, they take it out and it kind of grows over. So it's mm-hmm. of the operations, it's kind of the most easiest mini operation you can get. And he says, you'll be back running in six weeks to eight weeks. So it's kind mm-hmm. of encouraging. Um, but he was like, don't worry about ACC. Once he found out I had insurance, he wanted <laughs> nothing to do with ACC. Because <laughs> I'm under it for ACC because I did it while I was playing volleyball, actually. But uh, And he was like, nah, don't worry about ACC. And I was like, oh, you sure? Nah, just, you're like, you've got insurance. Just, 
was like, but I wouldn't mind having AC. Nah, just don't worry about it. <laughs> so we're not worrying about ACC. Oh, no. Because uh, so, then I don't know if that's a good idea because in long term, if it comes up again, they might say, no, it was... But there yeah. we go. So I get I'm, I go in on the seventh of December. So basically, my holidays start on the seventh. So I've got a month of work in front of me, basically. Right. And then my year begins. But I'm not getting loss of income because I'm not on the ACC. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, so, pushed you around. I tell you what. Like my back's good now. I, I look forward. This year's been a real injury year for me. Actually, last couple of years, unfortunately. But um, when did you nearly die? When was that? Last year. Last year. Yeah. So <laughs> the, I had my back operation at the beginning last year. Then I nearly died. And then I did my back mid this year. My knee's been going for last year, but I'm actually feeling really good right now. That yoga thing's working. Mm. Yeah, my range of motion's coming along a lot, um, and so I, I'm looking forward to next year. And I don't want to. I don't want to set any goals yet, but I might set an athletic goal next year. Nothing too crazy, but just it's been a few years since I've been an athlete, so it might be November the first. That's my uh, start date for flexibility and nutrition. Gonna, oh, really? Be a lean, mean fight. What's going to change for nutrition? Maybe I'll do a segment on that because you've got to. I've got to think about how I present that because some people might take it the wrong way. Okay. Eat less. It's like, <laughs> does that mean don't eat anything? It's like, eat less. Eat less. And what's going to be your flexibility? Uh, my alarm goes off on my watch, my phone at 8 o'clock every night and I'll be doing some flexibility in front of the TV nice. for 20 minutes or so each night. Yep, that's good. You just ruined my segment for next week. I could well, have done that. I'll, I'll do a segment on how I've got more focus because I've just started a new process to my life which has got me to the next level of focus when I'm doing things. So you do that, I'll do this. Mm. Okay, next, next week's show. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.